0: You're listening to Marketing Matters
1: on Business Radio.
2: Welcome back to Marketing Matters here on Business Radio, Sirius XM 132. I'm Barbara Kahn, the Patty and J.H. Baker Professor of Marketing, and I'm joined by my co-host, Americus Reed, the Whitney M. Young Jr. Professor of Marketing and the Brand Identity Theorist. And today's spotlight segment, we are joined by Abigail Jacobs, who's the Senior Vice President of Integrated Marketing and Brand at Sephora. Abigail, thank you very much for joining us today.
1: Thanks so much for having me.
2: You know, and I just have to tell you, I go, well, before COVID in particular, but I've gone all around the world talking about retail and disruption and one of the examples I use over and over and over is Sephora because I I think of you as a customer focused retailer. And I compare you frankly, to department stores, which I think of as product focused. And I think you guys kind of invented customer experience by allowing your customers to actually enjoy being at your makeup counters. Unlike the department stores where they were terrified of the perfume lady and the person controlling all the cosmetics. So I thought that was That, you know, before COVID was fantastic. And then obviously during COVID, you've had to pivot a lot because some of those things that you were famous for might come into question under COVID. Now, I know you're not here to talk about that, but I just wanted to tell you, so you know that I do actually think Sephora is a a leader in retail and you've done some really great things. But you're not here to talk about that, actually. Um, You're here to talk about some of your... Uh, branding and marketing campaigns that you different ways that you're positioning your cosmetics. I guess it's all related. But uh, do you want to tell us a little bit about your background first, and then we can get into um, this black beauty campaign that you're Sure,
1: I'd love to. Sure. So um, as you mentioned, I oversee brand and integrated marketing at Sephora. So that includes our brand marketing team, campaign and content, our social media content strategy teams. So all the teams that are responsible for the ways that our client interacts directly with Sephora. And to your point, we are so client focused and think constantly about the experience that um, our client has. And so that's a lot of what I oversee. Um, I've spent the majority of my career in retail. I spent a good portion of it actually at the William Sonoma William Sonoma family of brands. Oh, um, including yeah, I led the brand marketing and content teams at West Elm, which is um, one of their furniture brands and. So I've kind of grown up. I'm a I'm a brand marketer who's grown up in performance marketing organizations, um, and I was drawn to Sephora, as you mentioned, by the innovation of the brand, but also by the story of the brand and the heritage, um, and the values that the brand has always held
2: yeah so I mean I don't know how much you want I don't know if you want to dive right into we could talk first about the campaign because the campaign is very interesting so I'd like to talk a little bit about that and then maybe we can talk about some of these other issues which are less timely this one is pretty new this stuff that just came out and was just announced in the media anyway and it's really about uh this idea of black beauty is beauty campaign and how you had to really rethink that category and rethink algorithms and things like that. It was a pretty ambitious program. Do you want to tell us a little bit about the background of that? And-
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So let me tell you, let me give you a little bit of context um, around some of the, our p- key pillars as a brand. So um, one, one that I kind of was referring to as what brought me to the brand is this longstanding belief that, Beauty is a place where everyone is welcome. Um, And we are committed to that in every part of our business. You've mentioned it in our, in our heritage, you know, we were the first beauty retailer to say, you don't have to talk to someone behind a counter. You can play, you can try, you can experience yourself. Um, The second big focus is around products, right? Our goal at, at Sephora is to curate and offer the best brands and products to meet our clients needs. So That might not always mean the the most products or the biggest assortment, but you can trust that we're bringing you the best in any category for any need. So with those two pillars, um, this campaign actually had a couple parts. The first is a film called Black Beauty Is Beauty, which was really intended to acknowledge the contributions that the black community and black culture have given to the beauty industry over the years. Um, the film starts with the line, "What is black beauty? What is beauty without black beauty?" Um, and it really is a question that we wanted to pose to our clients as a form of kind of educating them about all of these contributions. Right? There's so much ingenuity and trend setting that happens in black culture, yet often it's co-opted versus celebrated. Um, and so we just wanted to point out that those trends that we are all participating in have a heritage rooted in Black culture.
2: Well, what I thought was funny is Black Beauty, if you Googled it originally, you'd come up with the book, right? <laughs> right. Okay. So that is that is
1: what I was going to jump to um, oh, the third part of our campaign. The second part actually was a big focus around Black-owned brands and the incredible products that they have to offer. So. Again, reinforcing that Black-owned brands are not just for Black and African-American clients, but for everyone. And in true Sephora fashion, they are the best of the best. And so we did a full 360 campaign that included TV, front of store placement, Windows, digital to support those Black-owned brands. The part that you're referring to was we also did um, You know what we were kind of referring to as, as an SEO hack where we were thinking about how do we change the narrative around black beauty? Because yes, if you search black beauty, you come up with a lot of content about a book, a book that I loved as a teenager, there's nothing wrong with this book. But if you search other types of beauty, K-beauty, J-beauty, these cultures and trends that have really um, have, you know, positive, deep meaning within the beauty industry, you get a different type of content. And so we wanted to shift that narrative um, and start to have people think about black beauty in the same way they think about some of these other cultures and the contributions that they've made. That's funny. I
2: mean, here you came up with this word black beauty that has a historic alternative meaning. And instead of changing your words, like you could have done something else like black fashion or black cosmetics. I mean, I'm not obviously creative, So he's hard, right? <laughs> yes. but like something that didn't have a history with a book. But instead yeah. of doing that, you like really liked your words. So you went through to change. I mean, do you see what I'm saying? I'm curious. We, I mean, we
1: wanted to, like I said, we wanted to put it in the same context as K beauty, Korean beauty, right? J beauty, Japanese beauty. That's what those um, categories of beauty are called. And so we wanted black beauty to be, be referred to in the same way.
0: Interesting. So, let, let me just ask this question, Abigail, because I think it's, uh, it's a it's a fascinating analysis. And one of the things that Barbara and I talk about all the time when brands are trying to uh, extend to some kind of multicultural a celebration was the word that you use. Yeah, uh, is the word authenticity. And so talk to us a little bit about that thought process as you started the journey, as you started developing the strategy to make sure there were guardrails that, that allowed Sephora to, to, to not fall into that co-opting world, yeah. but into this world of celebration. Cause to me, that's a, that's a tricky fine line to Absolutely. walk and you can screw it up easy. So talk yeah. us through that process.
1: Pepsi, so Let me, let me <laughs> yeah. point first towards one of the insights that kind of drew us to this campaign, which was, you know, after, you um, 2020, um, there was a huge search increase in Black-owned brands, Black-owned businesses. Um, you know, after George George Floyd's death, there was a lot of support um, to want to support the Black community. Can I stop this, you for one second there?
2: Yeah. Um, just, just to get that clear. So you're it's relatively new. After 2020, that's like six months ago. Are you saying that these firms popped up then? Brand new firms started or more attention was paid to firms that already existed?
1: I'm saying actual search. um, So Google search. People were looking looking more to support Black-owned businesses. So it's not that the firms
2: came. It's that people were looking for these firms more.
1: Yeah, but Uh, then it dropped off. So hmm. what we at Sephora wanted to kind of Uh, poke at a little bit is why is this dropping off and how can we keep this conversation current and top of mind for everybody? So that's, that was kind of one of the insights that drew us to this campaign. Um, in terms of your question specifically about what guardrails did we put in place? Number one is we need a diverse team, right? Um, diversity for us at Sephora is embedded in everything that we do. Um, it makes our work better. We learn from diverse, um, not just, you know, ethnic, um, voices at the table, but different learned experience, make our work more, you know, it means our clients can see themselves in our work. So, so that's one thing is we have diverse teams working on this. We worked, um, we had a great partnership with RGA New York, who we worked with on this partnership, on this project and, and this campaign, uh, who um, are let, their creative team are led by a woman of color, Shannon Washington. So we wanted to make sure that we were, you know, thinking with that in mind. Uh, we also were extremely thoughtful about our director. We worked with a woman of color as our director. About our makeup artist, about our hairstylist, about our stylist. Um, you know, if we were going to tell the story of Black and African American beauty. We needed the right people telling that story every step along the way. So it was really thoughtful and really careful part of our process. And we got client feedback throughout the process Mm. as well. So, you know, Mm. we showed storyboards to, uh, we have a couple different ways that we can do research with storyboards. We Mm. showed um, ideas and the script to our own Sephora Noir, which is our employee uh, resource group. So yeah, we definitely... Mm. checked in throughout the process, took a lot of feedback, made a number of pivots um, in order to get to the place that we felt really proud of. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
2: You know, what's interesting about that is this is a proactive um, attempt to get feedback because you're coming out with a new campaign, and I'm sure you were concerned about some of the problems that Americus is pointing out in advance. You want to make sure you didn't make some of those famous mistakes, But the other thing that's always been good about Sephora is that you have such a robust loyalty program yes. Um, and you have so much data and you have access to YouTube channels and things like that. Yep. So I imagine that you could have, you know, not only proactively ask questions as you're suggesting and test things, but that you would have all this data in the past to build on. So is that part of it also?
1: Absolutely. I mean, we have, you know, we take note of how our, 20 million Instagram followers react to the content that we put out and we're constantly pivoting. We're constantly asking them what they want more of or less of. Mm -hmm. Um, We have easy ways to bring together a group of beauty insiders and ask them specific questions. Um, And so that back and forth conversation with our clients is constant. Yeah,
2: I mean, it's part of the fun, I think, of interacting with Sephora that I think you feel like your opinion counts and you might see something... You nice. know, a new product that comes out as a result of that. And beauty is a category, I think, where new is good. So you're yeah. always changing, coming out with new fashion, new styles. So um, was this a market that you are already had and wanted to serve better? Or are you trying mm. to get um, a new customer segment in?
1: Both. I mean, we always have are thinking about how do we serve the diverse needs of our clients and customers we in early 2021 released a research study that we had done with uh, research partners and academic partners around bias in the retail environment. Mm. One of the pieces of feedback that came out of that was about representation in marketing and making sure the client can see themselves in everything that we do. So that absolutely was a data point that we were that we were calling out here. Um, the other. You know, part is that we've broadened our assortment to meet the needs of, for example, a Black or African American client who has specific needs for their hair. Mm -hmm. We've brought in new brands, and we want to make sure that this client knows that we carry these now. We carry Pattern by Tracy Ellis Ross. It's it's one of our really high growth brands within within the hair category, for example. So, but it was both, you know, kind of. Welcoming this client in and making sure that they know that they that we have the products for their needs. And yes, to your point, Barbara, we're always thinking about reaching new clients as well.
0: Interesting. Uh, just to quickly uh, touch on a couple of things that are super interesting in my view, uh, we're speaking with Abigail Jacobs, senior vice president of integrated marketing and brand at Sephora here on Marketing Matters, and I'm interested in the idea because you're talking about this, Abigail in a very explicit way, but it's the notion of values and purpose. And can you just talk a little about, Barbara and I ask about this all the time. And that's the idea of, you know, when you lean in on values and you start embracing certain, um, you know, aspects in society, you by definition, for some consumers may be telling them that, okay, or there may be some consumers who are against that. I'll say it that way. And so how, how, do you, how, do you, how do you navigate that decision calculus that says, you know what, if we come out very strong on these sets of issues, Black Lives Matter, for example, there's other issues, you know, th- th- these aren't issues that, th- these can be polarizing issues across different types of consumers. So talk a little bit about that calculus and saying, you know, you know, how do you think through that? Because a lot of companies, quite honestly, Abigail, are staying out of any kind of core values, purpose-driven sorts of conversations yeah. and or initiatives. And they believe that's a smart strategy. So could you talk a little bit about you know, that thought process at Sephora?
1: Sure. I mean, our values as a company have always been so clear to us internally. Um, I think You know, if you think back a number of years, if you uh, were a male who liked to wear makeup, uh, Sephora was one of the only places that you could work, right? And so this has been true to our heritage um, this idea that beauty is for everyone and that, um, you know, beauty is an inclusive space where we all belong. Um, has been true. And our employees have known it always. I think for us, it was a choice about, you know, how vocal do we be about Mm -hmm. this externally? Um, And, and it really was no question for us. It's our Mm. truth. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And so we, you know, I do feel like in the past few years, there've been a lot of brands that are like, okay, I need to do a values and purpose campaign. Let me come up with our values are our purpose. Like for us, it really was just about saying our purpose out loud um, and staying true to it. And it is it is one of the things that makes me so excited to work at Sephora, because I think when you are so sure of who you are as a brand and what your purpose is, day-to-day decisions and forward motions become so much easier and so much powerful because you don't have to question the decisions that you, that you make. You know who you are. And, you know, it's, <laughs> mm-hmm. it's like those of us as people who have really strong core values, right? We we don't second guess them often, right. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, right? And so it's pretty powerful to be at a brand that has that same type of um, depth in its purpose and its, and its values. So let's switch gears
2: a little and just talk about some of the execution of some of these strategies. So I'm curious to know how you use live streaming or celebrities mm. or something like that to build on this, because some of, there's been some a lot of Uh, attention to say Rihanna um, and her new line or Tracy Ellis Ross who've come out with new lines. I don't know if you work with them or um, how that works, but there's also, it's definitely true in China, but um, I think it's also true here. A lot of people make decisions based on influencers and that. So how is all of that? And I'm sure that's
1: part of your campaigns, but how do you work with them? How, How does that work out? So we actually, you know, you're referring to some of our brand founders who are incredibly powerful celebrities and do a ton, you know, uh, around the support of their brands and in partnership with Sephora. But in terms of Sephora's influencer strategy, we have a group of influencers called the Sephora Squad. And um, as you would imagine from, you know, what I just told you about our values and our purpose, this is intended to be the most diverse group of influencers in the beauty industry, it really, for us, is not about the size of your following. It's about, do you have a unique voice that we feel like um, needs to be elevated or should be heard? And so what we have within the squad is an incredible group of influencers that can speak to maybe a specific point of views, personal uh, personal. Skincare or beauty needs, you know. For example, I I am of a certain age and follow a few of our squad influencers mm-hmm. who are speaking directly to me about the issues that they have with their skin or with makeup. Um, and so for us, it's about engagement and connection versus size of following or celebrity mm-hmm. status. Uh, we have just found similar to. I think this is where you were kind of going, Barbara, earlier. You know, when you walk into a Sephora store and you connect with a beauty advisor there at the store, you have a great experience. If you can connect one-on-one with your personal needs, um, that's really what we're looking for with the squad not just kind of a celebrity telling you, I Mm. use this product or this Mm -hmm. product up. It's about, let me tell you about the problem I'm having with my skin, what I did to address it and how that might relate to you.
2: And so what you're saying is some of the names that I'm talking about, they are associated with brands you may or may not sell, but they're done at the brand level, not at the retailer level.
1: and, and I mean, more... they are definitely in support, and those two founders that you named are very active in the in the um, diversity and inclusion space. So they are big supporters of what we stand for at Sephora 2. and we work in partnership on a lot of initiatives. In this campaign specifically, we we did feature um, pattern product in our Black Owned Brands campaigns. We featured um, Fenty by Rihanna products, but we didn't feature those celebrities. Oh, I see, okay.
2: And the other thing you mentioned, which is something that I, I mentioned when I talk about the difference in betu- the way Sephora sold cosmetics and department stores traditionally did. And it speaks to what you're talking about now in terms of you go into the store to talk to somebody who's knowledgeable about the product is you don't, your compensation is not based on commission, I believe. Um, in the stores,
1: correct, no. So
2: they're not motivated to push product on the customers where in many other stores they are commission-based and you know they make more money. Yeah, I mean, to our sell goal is product
1: to find out your needs, um, not our needs, right? <laughs> and to respond to those. Um, we actually, during the pandemic, um, launched live beauty chat, which is you can get the same advice from a beauty advisor online that you would get in stores. So that has been an exciting pivot for us during the pandemic as less people you know, were going to the stores initially. And so we we were trying to do is like package that beauty advisor support and help in the digital space. So that's been an, an exciting launch for us too.
2: Let me ask you what we were talking about in our last half hour because support is actually kind of on the cutting edge of some of this. And we were commenting on meta and metaverse and the integration of augmented reality, virtual reality and real life. But actually in makeup, you really have been kind of playing around with that line because you can put makeup on virtually or in real life. And I would imagine that moving between real life and virtual reality or augmented reality, whatever you're going to call it, was accelerated during COVID when some of the things you used to be able to do were less easy to do because of safety concerns.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, we thought about every way that we could, you know, improve the digital experience so that it mimicked the in-store experience whether mm. that's through you know virtual try on or mm. quizzes so that we could kind of walk you through the steps that maybe a beauty advisor would ask you if you came into the store and were trying to find the right product we we wanted to create that type of experience through a quiz online so mm. lots of updates to make that digital space as meaningful and helpful as possible to I love that. Ameri- okay. Oh, Sorry, I was just say- gonna
2: go ahead. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I was just gonna say I love that, Abigail, because I-, I think companies often, and this is to Barbara's point, she-, she commented on the natural alignment of the technology with the value proposition and 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 um Uh, meeting needs I think oftentimes companies fall for the fool's gold and just say I need to just do something because it's a hot technology but I think yeah and so I think here it's like no 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 there's actually some and I love that there's a thoughtful analysis about let's not just take the tech uh, tech and just slot it in but let's think through very carefully how can this add you know much more incremental value in the experience to Barbara's point that can really help us take the name, you know, the game to the next level. Thoughts yeah, so on
1: me I mean, one of on the on coolest point. things, let me,
2: let me just ask you a question. I'm dying to know this. So it's like, sorry, but I got to interrupt because it builds on. Please. This point. Um, I'm curious because like America's always says we're, um, you know, immigrants to this new world of tech and things like that, digital immigrants. So to the young people who do this, is it as rewarding to try makeup on virtually as it is to try it on in real life? Like how is that working just in terms of your, you would know yeah. it better than any of us. I'm just That's serious. a
1: good I'm question. I mean, I think in some ways, if you're just trying on a lipstick color, it can, it can absolutely do the trick, but if you're looking for something, you know, deeper, you may need to do a quiz or meet with someone. What I was going to say is one of the coolest tools that we have that I think uses really future thinking is um, in our foundation matching tool, when uh, you come into a store where we use AI technology there to find the right shade for your foundation. Um, and that is just, we've updated that and it's incredible how accurate and how um, helpful that tool can be, particularly for people who have difficult to match undertones or, um, you know, haven't have been underserviced in the foundation market before, this is an incredible tool and you Mm -hmm. can come into a Sephora store and, and get matched with a beauty advisor. Well, Abigail,
2: it has been great talking to you. Sephora is doing such interesting things and I really yeah. applaud your new campaign. Mm-hmm. I think diverse, you know, diversity in customer base and employee base is a super important thing. So thank you so much for joining us today. And where can our listeners go to keep up with you and everything new going on at Sephora?
1: I mean, the best place is to follow our social channels. We're, we're Sephora across um, all channels. We're constantly posting Instagram, Pinterest, Twitter, YouTube um, come see us there.
2: Well, thank you very much for being here and that's all we have time to for today. Um, big thanks to Professor Americas Reed for being my co-host. We would like to thank our audio engineer Dion Simpkins, Chris Tooks, and our producer Dana Cash. We're here every Wednesday from 5 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time. We replay our show several times throughout the week. And you can follow our show on Twitter at SXM Marketing. And you can follow Business Radio at SXM Business for information about all our programming. And follow us because we're going to start playing around with our Twitter account. Right, Americas? That's right. Um, We're going to start doing some fun things. Yep. So until then, (laughs) this is Marketing Matters. I'm Barbara Kahn here with America's Read, Business Radio, SiriusXM. 132.